Welcome to Orange Soul, everybody. I am unbelievably pumped to have you here. We are excited to chat about communication, connection, and confidence. Heyo! I'd like to thank our sponsor, Reminisce Audio. If you'd like to record a podcast or an audio biography or interview someone, Reminisce Audio has your back. Head over to ReminisceAudio.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Orange Soul Podcast. I am nothing short of delighted to have two gals here with me, Bale Tui Savoura and Susie Malohi Feo. Yeah, you got it. I am so excited I did. Great. So I'm going to have Susie and Bale introduce themselves a little bit and give us a little bit of their background and their history, and we'll go from there. We'll rock and roll. Well, thank you very much for having us tonight. So my name is Susie Felch Malohifo. I was born in the island of Tonga, um, which is closer to New Zealand and Australia than it is to Hawaii. Um, at three years old, I was adopted to a white family that worked for the LDS church and at five years old I moved my dad worked for the Elders church and we moved to New Zealand and I lived there we traveled around the world for a year and then my parents are from Utah and my dad is from Bernal, Utah so I graduated from high school in Bernal, Utah out in the sticks I'm a country girl really I'm a highland <laughs> country girl and um, went to college in California played volleyball for a couple years um, and then moved um, back I would say professionally uh, I currently am the founder, co-founder of Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, and really about empowering Pacific Islanders, and not just Pacific, but all people, uh, to thrive in whatever that looks like. And I'm um, happy to be here. I can't beat that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not a competition. We're all here to share the share the okay. good love. Okay, anyway, my name is Bale Damuni Tisavura. I'm from Fiji. I left Fiji when I was six years um, of age, and we, my uh, parents packed us up and took us to Hawaii um, to work for the church. Um, at the time that we moved, we were non-members. And so I've spent... Um, 60 years um, on Oahu. I have, um, um, I'm married now with six children and I can't count the grandchildren. <laughs> but um, yeah, I um, went to school at BYU Hawaii and graduated with my bachelor's in psychology. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and I have a, um, a, a nursing license. I practice here in um, Utah. And um, also, culture is a big part of my life. And so I teach. Uh, dancing and I um, sometimes I know because this is a, a branch off of my dad I I choreograph and I uh, I can uh, create dances for um, groups and I've done it in Hawaii for many years for high school college for high school kids and um, yeah, and that's just about where my life is right now. I'm trying to find out um, what I can do um, with what I have, share it out there with other people. Susie and Bale, I am so grateful you're here. I'm really excited to hear more about your experiences and your insights because you ladies offer a different perspective. And I want to make sure that that's seen and heard. And 
I, for one, really appreciate our pre-show conversations that we've had. We've had a lot of laughter, a lot of love, a lot of um, deep heartfelt conversations. And that's something that I'm really passionate about is having heart-to-heart conversations and exchanges. And I'm excited to hear about your experiences with that. And particularly with diversity, inclusion, and equality, that's a really hot topic. And what to you is diversity, inclusion, and equality. What does that mean to you? I think just everybody has a place at the table. Um, and that I think equality, which is different than equity, right? And you said equality or did you see equity? Equality. Okay. So I personally think that it's about equity. Not everybody needs the same thing. So the idea of giving everybody $5, but maybe one person needs 10 and the other person needs two. And and for me, you know, you see the picture, like somebody needs a big box to stand on to see over the fence, but maybe somebody needs two inches because we're all different. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea of equality is everybody needs help. So we're going to just hand out all of and has all of the resources and the things that they need to thrive. And some people are going to need more, and some people are going to need less. And some people don't need anything at all. Right. Right. Totally. And I thoroughly appreciate that perspective of equity, because it's true. Even in my own family, I grew up with all brothers. And so what I needed versus what they needed looked different. And we could not be any more different from each other. Oh my word. And likes, dislikes, educational pursuits, career ambitions, everything across the board, what we needed to be successful looked totally different. And that was just within my own family. So I can appreciate where you're coming from. Bali, what are your thoughts? Well, you know what? Um, along, I echo what Susie says, but, um, I'm just going to share my experience here. Um, I love the fact that she says that everybody has a place and, Everybody has a place, but still have the the the, the freedom to to be different, right? And and I'm just going to give an example because I can't. As I read what I wrote down here, um, I think about when I was raised in Laie, and Laie is a little town in in La, in Oahu. And in this little town, we were brought up. I was Fijian. There were Samoans. There were Tongans. There were Filipinos. There were even the Hali kids or the American kids that came over because their parents died. But we were, there was, there was such a diversity in culture, in the way that we live. Um, but we were taught to, to always include one another. And... So if I was a Fijian and I sang a Samoan song, you know, that was, wow. Or um, here's a girl from Utah, and she was dancing the hula. And that's how we included everybody. That's how I see inclusion to be, just um, including everyone and um, appreciating the diversity that we have. And I have to also agree with Susan, the fact that we can't all be equal. We can be all different. Um, and have the and different thoughts and different accomplishment and and like you said you can't give everybody dish everybody five dollars because everybody's different right and so I I, I respect that uh, equality that you you're talking about because we're all different but the fact that we can see that appreciate that and accept that that's equality I feel and it's a 
in in of itself because I can see you with your let's say you have a big beautiful home and I have a little tiny shack and I'm okay with that and if you're okay with me I think we understand that right does that make sense we understand that and so um, your equal is different um, to my equal but we can understand that yeah, the equity may yeah, look the, different. Yeah, yeah, the equity looks different. And we can appreciate we that. We can appreciate that. Well, I, I feel like... Can I talk religious? Why not? Okay. Because I feel like God created us all different. If he didn't mean for us to need different things, he wouldn't have created us all different. Totally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it, it makes sense to me that everybody was created differently. That means we think differently, we look differently. We learn differently, we sound differently. That's the way it was. we were created. Yeah. So it doesn't now make sense that our needs are going to be different too. Each individually. Well, and if we were meant to have a cookie cutter experience, right. it'd be boring. We would be cookie yeah. cutters. And how yeah. terrible would that yeah. be? Yeah. I would be bored out of my mind. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking about the, the foods that we eat and that we love and the spices mm-hmm. and, and art and music. If we didn't have that stuff that is gives us some um like diversity in our thoughts right because to me it's about diversity of thoughts because you can line up five Tongan people we're all going to have different thoughts and when we start thinking that everybody should have the same thought of the stereotype because i look this way I think that's when we start having some problems. But that's implicit bias, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at some, but it's natural. We were born with that. Mm-hmm. But it's how do we overcome that to allow us to find the beauty and the differences between us is fighting those stereotypes. And, and I feel like when I look at somebody, it really is just a reflection of whatever my experiences have been. Because I know being adopted, and they call me a transracial adoptee, right? Because I was adopted outside of my culture. I was immersed. I didn't see people of color. I was by all six in a white world who my parents taught me everything white. That's what they knew. So when I went to college and I met Pacific Islanders, I was so excited to see Pacific Islanders. But I was so different from them. And they didn't like me. Really? I looked the same, but because I was so different from mm. them, they was like, who does she think she is? She speaks English like that. And she likes to do these things we've never even heard of, mm. right? My experience in life was really different than what my ethnic identity is. And so when people look at me, it's their biases that are judging me. Mm. I mean, I... It's funny because I just was at a meeting yesterday. I won't say at a major bank. Sat at the table and a young lady came and she had to explain to me that she was a lawyer. She went to college and she had this prestigious, you know, being a clerk for a lawyer is a really prestigious thing. and was breaking down to me. And I said, oh, but my dad is a judge and all my uncles are lawyers. Right? Because her assumption of what she saw was her stereotype of what she had of what she saw. And so I had to learn that really quickly being in college. Like, why do these people just have this assumption that I've never seen an opera? Why Mm. would... Like, I I couldn't figure out why these things people were saying to me when I left my little cocoon in Burnwell, Utah in my little safe white world. And I finally, like, it took me many years and lots of struggles to figure out that it wasn't about me. 
it was their own biases that were judging me based on their experiences with maybe people that looked like me or what they thought about me. And so it's taken me many years to figure that out because I used to kind of like, what's wrong with me? I was too white to uh, over here to belong here and I was too brown to belong over here. Wow. Right? So how can we remove or become aware of our biases? How do we become more conscientious of those so that we can address those? I think we just have to have the conversation as uncomfortable as it is. And I, I know I've been in meetings, and I'll just share this. I was at a, a mayor's meeting in Salt Lake, and they had asked me to come there to talk to them about Living Color Utah and how it was developed. The governor of Utah put Living Color together with all the ethnic chambers because they had businesses that were moving into Utah and leaving because of the not of the lack of diversity. Their employees didn't know where to go get haircuts. Their employees didn't know where, they weren't happy. If you don't have employees, how can you run a company? Mm -hmm. So they literally have had two or three companies move out of Utah because of it. So the governor put together this idea of all the ethnic chambers to have an online business directory so employees could come and look. So I go to the mayors, they were having this meeting and they asked me to come and talk. And the lady to my right, and I'm gonna say she was white, said to me, I don't even believe that. Like, this is such a friendly place. We're, and I said to her without even thinking, that's in your eyes, not through maybe my perspective. Mm-hmm. And she said it several times in that meeting. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why something had to be put together like this. Because they're all so friendly. We're all friendly to everyone, like, to people that look like you. Right? Yeah. And so... You know, somebody says, oh, I said, I, I'm not trying to be rude, but let's have these conversations in these gray areas that are not so politically correct, because this is where the problem is. Mm-hmm. When we start saying, let's have the conversation here when it feels okay, but what happened to this when we really thought this and we wanted to say this mm-hmm. and we didn't? Mm-hmm. Because everything about say, oh, they're going to be mad. Oh, this is not going to be accepted. To oh well, I'm going to say this really because it's more politically correct and everybody will accept it. The gray area is where that conversation needed to happen. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you need to start um, young with that. You know, mm-hmm. you're having conversations with adults, and how much of that conversation gets out, and and we can, if we can. Um, teach if we can speak more about those things um, at high school levels at even elementary level um, I think you you begin to see changes happen because kids at home only mimic and and, and demonstrate what they learn at home right and so if you have those kind of conversation in the classroom um, at home yeah um, like in um, like here in Utah Right, um, I see now where they have um, they have Utah is so diverse, right? I I believe it is. I see, and people trying to like in the classroom where teachers are trying to teach different culture. I like I was asked to come and do a presentation on Fiji, and I had to think I thought wow because they've never heard about Fiji. They don't know where Fiji is. They don't even know if it exists on the map. And so this kind of stuff, if we can start schooling them at that early age. 
we don't have to wait till we're uncomfortable up here at that level yeah. to be talking about these things. These kids are so like, like, oh yeah, okay, you know. I re- I remember growing up like having white parents, right, and um, being at church, and this little kid said to my mom, "Where's your child? Where's your baby?" And my mom put her hand on my knee. She said, "This is my baby right here," and the little kid said, "Who shined her?" And like. We were all just, and I didn't know what the little kid was saying. And my mom was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Who shined her? Like, who put shoe polish on me?" Right? Yeah. And my mom was like, "Oh no, look how beautiful she is. See, it, her skin doesn't rub off. This is right. This is what the little boy in church said." And I, to me, that didn't mean I had. I didn't even know what the word racism was until I went to college. I, I didn't know. That I didn't know that R word until I was actually in college because we never said that word at home. It was never talked about. And when I learned what that word was, I could go back into my childhood and say, "Oh, that's why those people were weird." I just thought they were weird, <laughs> yeah. just like that little boy that said, "Where's your child?" And my mom said, "Right here." And they said, "She goes." I was like, "What does that mean?" Shine. But my mom was explaining it to my dad what happened at church. Right. And she said to my dad, like, shoe shine. Yeah. And I told the little boy, oh, no, see? Susie's beautiful skin color. It doesn't come off. You know, and, and wow. when I say at a high, at, at a very young level, I ex- my granddaughter experienced one of those right here in the nursery. Mm-hmm. Not to, but just to say, what my point is that if we teach them at a young age, and we know all this, that, that this will eventually, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, change change and give inclusion and equality for all, right? Mm-hmm. My granddaughter went to a preschool here, and um, one of the, the white girls said to all the white girls, um, don't play with her because of she's, her skin, something like that. And my granddaughter heard that, and she didn't think nothing of it and when her mom came in she says she says to her dog to her mom mom I think you need to put more lotion on my skin because they don't want to play with me because I don't have enough lotion on my skin we knew what they meant yeah 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 right and the teacher knew what she meant and I my heart broke I felt I she was it's insignificant in that setting, but here's young kids doing this. And so we had to tell, oh, no, your skin is beautiful. But I think the difference is that kids don't mean it maliciously. Right. That's the right. difference. Right. Is that when you become an adult, yeah. and then you know the difference, but when you're a child of that, they, we don't know the difference. Right. But if we don't take care of that, yes. it, it becomes it. malicious when they get up to, mm-hmm. to where decisions are important, you know. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the story. This is, I think Utah is very racist. Now, not racist, ignorant. I went through, when I came back, I was like, and this is one of the experiences I had. My husband is Fijian Tongan, and he's darker skinned. We went to the grocery store, and a lady, white lady, came up to me. We were in the meat market, in the meat department, and she said, oh, I just want to tell you the chitlins are on sale. And I said to her, okay. Uh, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, but I think that's the wrong culture, right? And then I walk away, and she comes and she said, because my neighbor is African-American, and she said it's a good sell. Now, I just came from East Palo Alto, California, which is probably one of the roughest cities, and I was about to just let her have it, right? Wow. 
And then I just said, okay, let's go. My husband has no idea what chillins are. And he's like, let's go check out the deal. Because he's like, <laughs> yeah. let's go check yeah. out what she's saying. I'm like, yeah. no, I don't want to check that out. And he was like, well, she said it's a good deal. And I'm like, I hear he's on this side. I have this white lady on this side. And I said, no, let's just go. Right? So he's like, why are we going? We get outside. He's like, why did we go? And I said, the lady said that um, she was telling us about the chitlins. He goes, well, what is that? <laughs> and I had to explain. It was like, so why would she assume that we eat that? And I said, I don't know. And I knew, but in his mind, it still didn't click, right? Because he was born and raised in the islands. But he came here to young. He, he doesn't even see that. Right? And I said, I believe that she thinks that we're African Americans. When we walked away, she said to me, Well, isn't your husband African American? Now, like, I was livid, like, livid. So I went out to the car, I'm explaining to my husband, and then he's like, Well, let's just stay here and tell her we're Paul. I said, It doesn't matter mm-hmm. at this point. And then I had to think to myself when I looked at her, like, she had she was somebody's really society president, and they had a assignment to go meet diverse people. That's what I had to tell myself, right? <laughs> yeah. And this was this was her attempt. And if I yell at her, that'll be the last time she reaches out to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I need her to keep trying. Yeah. And so I need to check myself right. if I'm really about inclusion and yeah. diversity then I need to check me yeah. and say she was trying yeah. and it yeah. may not have come out but I feel I think that's an example of how do we make this work is that people of color need to chill and acknowledge that people are ignorant but there are people the one thing I have found about people in Utah is they don't mean anything they're ignorant. Mm-hmm. They're not racist. Because I went around for many years when I moved here being really mad at everybody in the world and everybody in my ward. I lived here in Sandy and I had to move from Sandy because I couldn't take the lap adversity and move to Taylorsville. I mean, it was a whole bit of drama, all of this. And then finally I just said, they're ignorant. And I'm okay with ignorance. I'm not okay with racism, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with ignorance. And I believe in Utah, it's just a lack. It's just ignorance not racism. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for people to reach out. And as someone who is in the majority, I genuinely want to try and be one of those conduits. I genuinely I mean, this whole idea of people being colorblind, I think is garbage because I think that's, that does a huge disservice to people's heritage and lineage and where they've come from. If you don't see my color, you don't see me. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like saying, oh, I'm colorblind would only exhibit white privilege. Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely ludicrous. So like, I see you, I see that you're a different color. I see that you have a different lineage and you know what? That's beautiful. Right. That's incredible. I want to learn about that. I want to hear about it. I want to learn about your culture and your foods and your stories and and everything in between. I just am so passionate about that. And so how would you propose to create a culture of diversity equity? I really love that terminology of equity. How do we cultivate that? You know what I, you know what, as you talk, Susie, I thought, and to answer that a little bit, is that this quote keeps coming to my mind, and you know Stephen Covey? 
mm-hmm. taught those habits. Um, <laughs> they give yeah. whatever seven habits of successful people. But the one thing that's always stood out, and I've always used it as I come across those people, is to understand before I'm understood. Mm-hmm. If I can understand why he's acting like that, why, like you said, you know, you had to yeah. think this would your society yeah. person, probably a president, needed to do this. And so if I could understand that, and if I could just understand that, then understanding me isn't much of a big deal, right? If I can understand that she's acting like that because she, she's never met a Fijian before. She's never met someone that color with that kind of hair. That's why she's saying that, ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. Then I'm okay. I'm okay with that. because she. But I, if... And, I'm, and my hopes is that when somebody says that about the other person, that they can do that. If I say something like, oh, I didn't know that white people did that, that they could understand me and know that that came because I didn't have that in my culture. I didn't experience that. I didn't sure. grow up with that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think un- until we can understand one another like that, understand before you're understood, I think we have a chance of, of having... Um, inclusion. We can include, right? You may not like it, but just you understand. That's that's how they ate. They ate on the floor. Okay, right. I understand that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I I I totally agree with that. I would say that um, some on the other hand of that is sometimes it's always on the surface, right? And I feel like a lot of times people are just checking off the box. Uh. Right, right. I am diverse. I am inclusive, and I have three friends that are um, not white. <laughs> oh my right? gosh! And so now I'm diverse, and it. I think it's it, it has to go deeper. It has to go deeper to appreciate the strengths that others have, and it's and appreciate that we're we're not the same. We weren't even intended to be the same, mm-hmm. right? And that there's a lot of things that we can learn from each other. Innovation comes from diversity. I mm-hmm. talked to these IT, had a CEO sit down with me and was like, Susie, how do we hire people that, that are diverse? And I said, don't hire in the same places where your competition is. Go to the community colleges, hold your own classes, and hire people, right? I was just mm-hmm. giving him some ideas, and he said, I thought I did a really good job. We have veterans, we have women, we have gay people, but we don't have people of color and in my company, and I'm about to hire like 300 more people, and I need to know how do I do better. But when we sat and talked, it wasn't about color. It was about innovation. Mm-hmm. It's how we think. Tech people need people that are thinking different, mm-hmm. that are thinking about how do we take our product and sell it to a different group of people, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we sat and talked, I said, oh, so you don't, you, what you're asking really is not people of color. He, he, you're asking me for people that think differently because not necessarily is somebody with a different color going to think differently. I said, I think you can find white people that think differently than black people, than all different colors of people, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, is there a test that you know of? Like, Because that's what he was shooting for. How do tech companies become more innovative? Their money is driven by innovation on all these apps, right? Right. So they've got to drive diversity. They've in thought. And some of them are getting screwed up here with the idea that it's diversity in skin color is going to bring them the the, the diversity in thought. And I don't believe that that's it. 
I, I mean, no, I don't think so. And right. and so between the tech companies looking for um, diverse diversity in thought because they have to drive innovation to be the next best app to be the next best thing. Where else are you going to get that? If you have a room full of people that all think the right. same, you are never going to get a better product, right? And then they are trying to get sales out. What better than to have Salesforce that understand how people in India buy things or how people in New Zealand would use an application, right? So it's interesting because the tech world seems to be really big about this. Some of them, I think, are missing the mark and realizing that it's diversity in thought that they're looking for that's going to drive innovation. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, instead of diversity in skin, right? So that's why I say it needs to go deeper mm-hmm. than just skin color. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can it needs to go way deeper than just checking the box. Right. I, I'm totally, totally with you. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. How do we get there, though? How do we go deeper than the check marks? Honestly, I think we have to call each other out. I think we have to call each other out in a, in a, in a kind way. I'm not saying that we have microaggressions going around like, you're this, they're that. I'm saying like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what did you mean by saying that? And that's what I've started to do here. When people say things that are kind of off to me, I'm like, what did you think of? What did you? What did you mean by that? Right. Unpack that. Yeah. What does like, that really I'm not, mean? I'm not understanding that. And 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 also we need to learn to appreciate, right? Um, like Susie said, if we had all the same, we're not going anywhere. But sometimes also, I think. Um, in, in a professional, I think professional um, rim um, supervisors and 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 managers are they're fearful of stepping outside of the of the box and hiring those that think different, and hiring those that look different, and you know they always tell you um, you want to hire people that will listen to you. You want to hire people that will um, not fight you, right, or not go against you. But I really think um, the the key to, to being successful and to having inclusion is hiring different kind of people yeah. so that you can, um, when you hire different kind of people, you, you never know. You never know the mindset of one person um, compared to the, mindset of, of a Chinese to a, to an Indian, right? To a, to a Haoli, to a Fijian, you never know. And if you bring them in, just like I said today in group, take from one another what's good for for the for the whole, take from one and use it. Use it to use it to use it to have inclusion. Mm-hmm. Use it to um, and appreciate the different things that people have to offer. Like I think that too, like you have to look beyond, like you, like stop being so shallow, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Like I mean, it's like um, the guy he's over diplomacy at GoEd, right? And he said he's he's German, and they hosted the Business Alliance, and he said to me, one thing that I've learned about your people, Susie, you guys communicate heart to heart, and we communicate head to head. I thought he hit it right on the nail. And he said, and sometimes those things don't work, but I think if you understand that with each other, he said, I love working with you guys, right? Because I understand that that it's heart to heart. 
Yeah. And so maybe you're not going to do it on time. Yeah. And I just know <laughs> it, right? He's like, I just, I just already know it. It's going to happen. That's just not something when you communicate heart to heart. It's just that that's just not something. But I know that head to head, he said, I think that's a lot of differences in communities mm-hmm. is that we don't look at how we communicate. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's what I figured out. Your community I was like, wow, he just hit that on the nail. Yeah. We, we are heart to heart um, and why people get upset when like doctors and come and say, you know, your people are high in diabetes, but they don't make their doctor's appointment and they don't do this and they don't do that. And I just kind of chuckled because I thought, well, did you get in medicine to save people's lives or did you get in medicine to like be the clock ticker, the checker? Because, like, that doesn't really work with people that live in crisis a lot. They don't know what they're doing a week in advance. And in our community, if my sister calls and needs a ride to work and I have to go to the doctor in an hour, guess what? Mm -hmm. I'm taking my sister to work because my sister is always going to be there, Mm -hmm. right? And that's more important. There are three things that I found when I would go to Tonga that are most important, and their value system is different, Mm -hmm. right? There is God family, community, and church. And if the things don't run in those four veins, it doesn't matter. In America, what's the number one thing that's most important? You. Money. Yeah. Right? Wow. And so when money is the most thing and capitalism is the most important thing, then it matters that you made your doctor's appointment when on time and that I'm going to charge you $15 if you didn't get there within 15 minutes. But if God, family, church, and your community are more important, then when you walk in 20 minutes late, it's like, we'll try to fit you in. Thank you for coming. And if you don't come to my house when I make this big meal for you and you don't show up, it's okay. You know what? We're going to eat anywhere. We're going to eat it. You can come back another time. We'll make it again. But I know that if I will never do that, if an American family yeah. invited me, you already know because I already know they're gonna say, "Well, you know, I mean," but they're they're not gonna be happy. But you come to a Polynesian and say, "You know what? I'm so sorry we didn't make it. Hey, don't worry about hey, it. Hey, don't worry. We ate. We, we were ate. We for us. We'll come next week. Uh, we'll we do it next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a difference. But see, what I'm saying is that when your value system is God, community, family, church. Versus where we live right now, it's money, money, money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Those things are hard to merge and to navigate what you really want and feel. Because these things aren't bad, right? Right. And capitalism is not bad. Yeah. Right. It's how do we make those and allow everyone to be able to be how they want to be. And accept them. But you know what? And that and that goes back to I believe I see that. I see this. I believe because in in our culture, Susie, we are a village. Mm-hmm. We are communal, right? Mm-hmm. And so everything we do is not only for us, it's for it everybody goes, else. For the whole. If if my dad went to the plantation and brought um his harvest, he's going to go share it with everybody else before he brings it home. But in America, I found out if there's something good that they got, they will say, well, this is for my family or this is for me first. And it's okay. I, I, I can understand that. But that's that's the difference. In there. our culture, you would give your very best to the other person. Yeah. Wow. In the American yeah. culture, you're going to keep the very best, best for, for you. yourself. Yeah. Right? 
Right. Yeah. Our individualistic mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Is, individualistic. Yeah. Yeah. You can be. It's the individual. It's the individual versus the the, the, the collective. The collective. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that you can be individually and work for the collective. Right. Totally. But I, Absolutely. I, there can be a way to balance that. Yeah. So can. we can allow people right. to be individuals, right. but yet do. I mean, in a village, when you run a village, there's a job for everybody. Right. Every mm-hmm. kind of knows their role. Right. And um, yeah, I find it very interesting. It takes me a little bit when I go back to the islands. I don't know about you, Bali, to switch, right? Switch. Yeah. I have to code switch. That's what I call it. Wow. Is that it takes me about a week to go from this to that. And then it takes me about a week or so to flip back to that, to the society. Because I mean, I have a business in Tongue and I went there, I paid my internet, and my business was based on internet. And the internet people never showed up. So I like true American spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Call them up. I'm like, I need this. I need it right now. My business is going to fail without it. And I run on the internet. I have to have right now. Okay, we'll be there tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, they never showed up. Next day, they never showed up. I called up the manager. I said, let me speak to the manager. Okay, manager got on the phone. And I said, if you aren't here on such and such day, like whatever, Thursday, I'm going to be sitting in your office and I will sit there until my internet is on. He was like, okay. Did he show up? No. Well, I called and he said, I have a funeral. And in my mind, I was like, so what are you talking about? You have a yeah. funeral, right? And he was like, I am not coming today. And I was like so angry, right? Because mm-hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? I need my internet. And then he shows up in the office on Monday. Like nothing happened. And I said, I am so sorry for the way I acted. And he goes, oh, it's okay. It won't be the last. You're not the first. Wow. Right? <laughs> and so I have to learn. Like, the, and it, over there, the more yelling and screaming, uh, the worse it's going to be. I'm lucky that he showed up the next day, right? Where in American society is, you yell and scream, you're going to, like, jump on it. Yeah. Wow. But over there, it's exactly opposite. So, like, I'm not saying that either one is wrong, right? I think it's a balance. Yeah. 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 Learning how to harmonize, yeah. because I think balance... Evokes the idea that there's always going to be this equilibrium, yeah, right. that and inevitably there's going to be harmonies and crescendos, right. and there's going to all of a sudden there's going to be a random staccato right. stuck in the music. And how do we really understand each other and celebrate and make it, work. And make it yeah. celebrate and, and be har- harmonious with one another? Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know what I don't know, and right. so why can't we ask? Right. Why can't we say I am really curious about this, and yeah. if I step on any ground that is not welcome, please let me know. Yeah. Is it okay if I ask you a few questions about your heritage, your culture, yeah. Yeah. X, Y, and Z? Yeah. You, you know, go in asking for some permission, right. knowing that this may be a sensitive topic or a sensitive right. issue. I genuinely want to know your thoughts and your perspective. And I think that creates a lot of trust yeah, where right. it's like, and that's what tell me how you say how that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Right. Is that we need to be okay with saying, Oh, where did you get that bracelet? It's so pretty. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And listening to the story. Right. Yeah. Or like, Oh, whatever it be and allowing us to, but it's scary. Express. I mean, I feel bad for white people. Like I feel bad that it's tough to be white. In this spaces, because yes, you are the dominant and you're the majority, but it's almost like not allowed to let white people be curious, mm-hmm. right? And so, 
Um, I do get tired of the onus being on us to do the educating. And sometimes I say, oh, you can Google it just like I can. <laughs> yeah. Right? Google that. Right. Because like diversity and inclusion classes and why does it always have to be us? Yeah. Why, why can't you teach diversity and inclusion? I think you're more than capable of doing it. Yeah. But if you got up and did it, people would say, well, what's that white girl got to say yeah. to us about that? Yeah. That's wrong. I mean... It helps that I'm a female, but other than that, it's like you are middle class, white, yeah. educated, X, Y, and Z. And so... But by looking at you, that's what we think, but that may not be true. But that's not true. Exactly. It could, it could be not true. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So people... Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right? Exactly. People yeah. are projecting their unconscious Correct. bias on me and... They don't... Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's is what that, saying. And, yeah. and that I say, when you go to the Business Alliance and you're like three of white people there, you're diverse, right? You're our token. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun to be there. I even thought, I hope that I meet some like incredible people there. I love Polynesians. I just do. They're totally my jam. Like the culture, the vibes, the food. I yeah. all of it. Yeah. I just and then when you and your team welcomed me, I was just like, yes, we need more of this. Island way, right? Yeah, and, and I love it. When we called it Pacific Island Knowledge to Action, the whole idea was if we can come to this country and learn good and bad things about white culture, why can't then you and others learn good about our culture mm-hmm. and and then take it and copy it? Because that's what we did, right? Yeah. Let's our, iterate on our that. Immigrants yeah. came, our parents and immigrant family members came here and they merged right in and they took the white culture and copied it and voila. So if it can work that way, why can't it work this way? And then we're saying to our, and, and then we shared a group today, take the good from both yeah. sides. From all and, cultures we um, learn. Yeah. I mean, you know, because we moved here from, yeah. take the good from the Western and take take the good that our culture has and merge it. And you get right. a beautiful thing. Things, right. you, you appreciate things more. You you learn how to do something in a new way. You you know you become more you become more alive because again your mind is diverse now. Yeah. You, and you learn to appreciate more. It's leaving an open mind. Yeah. I do believe too that as immigrants came to this country, there are two things that kind of come up in my mind and thinking is, for some reason, we some immigrants thought we were coming to this country without strengths. And so we did away with some of our old ways that were very good. Mm-hmm. But we were trying to adapt to a country that we thought was wonderful and better than ours. And so a lot of times I've seen immigrants say, do away with the old. Don't speak the language. I want you to merge into this culture, child, because I want you to be successful here. And I, I think that that's a falsehood. I think everybody comes here with strengths, mm-hmm. and we need to help people remember what those strengths were when they came to this country and start it back up, keep those things. Yeah, it's um, a beautiful thing. And then when we hear, like, learn the positive from the white culture and learn positive from the black culture and learn positive from Native American and if we did that, then, like, all of these strengths yeah. that we would all have yeah. in beautiful culture. Because we're a citizen of, a uni- of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. We're all citizens of this great universe. If we could all play our different instruments and just play it all once at different times, beautiful, the music that we make, right? Somebody told me it was like, like a fruit salad. He said to me, 
No, we don't want a melty pot, Susie. We want a big bowl of fruit salad. I said, okay, explain to me what you mean. He said, like, just like little bits. I want you to stay someone mm-hmm. in my structure. Mm-hmm. And I want you to stay Tongan in mm-hmm. your structure, in your little square, in the fruit bat, in the fruit bowl, right? In mm-hmm. the fruit salad. Mm-hmm. And when we toss this all together, wow, we taste so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? But if we mash it all together, not so. Yeah, not so good. Not mm-hmm. so good. But he, that was the analogy he used. It's like, we want everyone to still stay in solid form mm-hmm. in small bits. That's awesome. But when we mix it all up and we take a bite of that fruit mm-hmm. salad, it's really good because mm-hmm. we've enhanced the flavors right. from each other. Yeah. Wow. And that's, I thought that was like, yeah. oh, that's oh awesome. I love that. Yeah. We went sober and we're like, you have a melting pot? No, I belong to a fruit salad. That's, <laughs> yes. I, I'm in the fruit salad. <laughs> probably, like, probably for more reasons, you're a fruity. <laughs> Dibs on the marshmallows right yeah. there. there you go. I'm pasty. <laughs> so, a great thing that I would love to hear about is um, what guidance would you give people to implement diversity inclusion in their personal and professional spheres? What are three to five action items that people can do immediately or to think about and ruminate about to implement into their lives? We had mentioned taking their other taking the other person's perspective and being vulnerable enough to even ask a question of, Hey, where did you get that bracelet? Or what does this mean? What are some other things that we can, when I build a team, do? I look for the person that looks exactly opposite everything about mm-hmm. me. I'm fat. I want skinny. I'm brown. I want white. Mm-hmm. I want black hair. I want blonde. Like I look for the most opposite than me mm-hmm. when I'm putting together a team of people, because I know that everybody's coming with diverse everybody. So I think find the person looks the most different from you and go have a conversation. Right? I think that's one actual item yeah. is literally find the person that looks the most opposite from you and walk over and say, had this challenge had to find the person that's most opposite than me hi my name is Susie what's your name yeah Yeah. right yeah totally why not but intentionally go out and look for the person that's exactly opposite than you in age in weight in color skin hair color whatever that be in profession yeah, it doesn't matter. Just someone who is different than you, yeah, who yeah. has a different lens. Right. Yeah. And well, you may not find out that they even have a different lens. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But based off of what we know, no. yeah. or yeah. what we presume to know, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are, yeah. biased in who we presume to be completely opposite right. of us, right. and they might just be. They might be totally the same. Right. Yeah. What yeah. you're gonna find is the commonality. That yeah. oh my gosh, we love the same movie. Yeah. yeah. Don't you see when you start talking to somebody and somebody says, I love that. And I, oh my gosh, I love that too. Yeah. Right? yeah. My favorite purple is yeah. purple too. Yeah. 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 Your favorite color is and orange. You're from your Utah favorite- and I'm from Fiji. And oh my gosh, we love the same thing. Yeah. 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 See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's having that courage to say, I haven't met you yet. What's your name? Yeah. I would love to get to know you. What's your story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can tell you whatever they want to tell you. Right. And that's voluntarily sharing their information. So I think that's the, always the first one people ask me. What can I do? What's actionable for me to do? Go out on the street, look for the person that's the most different than you. I love that. And go up and have a conversation. Beautiful. Yeah. Bali, what would you say? Um, yeah, I would definitely do what Susie just said. And the, and the other thing is to, um, I think, is to just appreciate 
appreciate um, the person for what they are. And even if they're the same as you, appreciate them because there's something there um, that might be different from what you have that, that they could bring into um, your circle. Mm-hmm. So just, and when, when people are appreciated, and don't be afraid to, to, to express that. You know, and when people are appreciated, when you when you when you um, express that, they're more willing to to open up, right? They're more willing to work with you. They're more willing to um, be more, for lack of a better word, just be really naked and come out and vulnerable, vulnerable, right? Because me, when somebody appreciates me, I'm like, oh, I like that person. Now you're going to see me start to come out and start to be the real me. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not, but I can trust. There's trust there. So, yeah. I think, I think also, too, that we have to remember that not everybody is going to be react to this, right? Right. Oh, totally. And And so... You know, having the verbiage already in your head when you are, um, when you take that chance and you have that conversation to already have the words in your head if somebody is angry or says, because remember, it's not about you. And we have to remember that comeback, if it's rude, is not about you. It's about them. Right. And keeping that in mind and just, you know, knowing so you're not caught off guard. Right. And Mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm really sorry that I offended you. Yeah. I was just hoping that we could have had a good conversation. Yeah. And walk away. Yeah. Right. And that's why I didn't turn on the lady. Yeah. In the grocery store. Right. Because I was ready to blast her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like looking at her like she is somebody's really signing president. And on Sunday, the lesson was go find someone that looks opposite from you and have a conversation <laughs> and that's where I got this from right yeah and she yeah. was trying the best now will she get out of her comfort zone and have that conversation if I shut her down no, no. it'll be way too scary for her mm-hmm. and so for me I feel like that's the, what I can do at being a woman of color is when somebody comes to have that conversation that I that I haven't, and if I can't have it or I don't feel like having it right then, that I'm authentic. Say, hey, here's my number, here's my email. I, I can't do it right now, right? Or walk away like I did for her. Yeah, we, I didn't have the time to sit and have that conversation with her. Yeah, yeah. or right? maybe even like the temperament, yeah. because we have to know our own boundaries. Yeah. We right. need to know right where we are, yeah, where temperature. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I was pretty heated, and my blood was already, and I was like. Okay, because she kept following me, right? And then I was like, we've got to go. Like, i got to go. But after I thought about this whole scenario, um, that's when I came up with this. Oh, she's so weird. <laughs> she took an assignment, and I need yeah. to just, like, I'm glad I walked away and chose not to pass her And that's what I mean. You understand before, before you're you understood. Do. Yeah. That just clears everything. From, you know, I, re- I remember um, I went to a sacrament meeting one time, and I went up to bear my testimony. Gosh, we just bear our testimony. And after it was a, it was a all, a not cultural award. It wasn't my own award. It was a, a, a Utah award, you know. And a so, white award. A white award. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we well, can see, call it spade a spade. Now there was just an example right there, yeah. right? Because we want to be politically correct, we right. can't just say what we have. And I always just say, yeah. say it. Yeah. Because it's not going to. Because hurt. I don't want to hurt. Right. I don't want to hurt. So this is the. So example I, I I don't want to say a white because it, I don't want to offend you, and that's the other thing I want to say. We we learn to be tolerant, 
and which can be good and which can cause us harm sometimes. But I find my Pacific Island people, or maybe not only, just because I know my Pacific, we're tolerant of many things that are dished out to us. Yes. Right? Yes. We're able to excuse that. Mm-hmm. And I, I find myself doing that. If somebody said to me, are you African? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm Fijian. You know, where other people probably say, no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. What are you talking about? Right. Well, part, well, part of me would, because I've seen not just, you know, Pisamanas, but people in color, a lot of them. And for me, when I hear that, first thought is like, because we're oppressed. We have learned to be tolerant because that's our place. Because we want to get along. Right. And right. so we've learned to take the second step right. to just let it go. Yeah. Because we already know what's going to happen if it gets escalated. But if the other side can learn how yes. to just let it go, right? we can we can have inclusion. Right. We can have... Um, we can still be different, but we can all include one another, but right? You see, right, like, you we see have, that? We've learned as people of color, kind of to be, we, we say, she said, we're tolerant, but that's because it's a learned behavior. Right. To be tolerant. Right. Well, and I even noticed that Bali was hesitant yes. to say white, and yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. So that's I, what I was saying, like, just within just us talking, right? Yeah. You were trying to be politically right. correct. Politically correct. That's why I said we need to stop it. Have the conversation as it is. And, but, you know, it's like. Okay, so I went to this white. I went to this white sacrament meeting, bore my testimony, and oh my gosh, almost everyone in that meeting came over to, um, to say thank you for saying it. And, you know, I could tell that. Individually, they were hurting, and my kids were sitting at the back, and they were like, Mom, did you just make a whole bunch of friends? I said, yeah, and this one lady came by, and she came and hugged me, and she said, and she had gone up and bore a testimony, and she said she she was having a, a pity party, and so I went up to her, you know, and trying to, I went up to her and said this to her. The next time you have a pity party, call me and I'll have a party with you. And my kids thought that was, what did you say that for? But I was trying to be... But you were genuine. Yeah, I was very genuine. I was, and, I, and here in a, in, a, in a chapel full of white people, I felt I was so included because I was able to just, just be there, just be in the moment. I wasn't looking at color. I wasn't saying, um, I wasn't saying, you know, you're white and I'm black or I'm Polynesian. No, I was, I was going up to this one lady that I just wanted to make happy. And I said, next time you have a pity party, call me and I'll come have a pity party with you. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring the right. Diet Cokes, right? So like for me, like listening to this, like I get, cause she's very genuine and Polynesian people. And I think a lot of ethnic people are very genuine when it's said, when she started her story, my first thought was like, yeah, cause they were just trying to make her feel that way. Cause she's the only person of color. Right. And they were just doing what they thought was politically correct. Cause they, you know, diversity is such a big thing. And you see a lot of people do, doing this type of thing in general, I mean, not really genuine. Right. And, and right. Like checking the box, right? Yeah. Kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think systemically, like uh, that happens a lot. Like I, um, in the business world, you know, give an organization a grant because they're underserved, but yet then the process doesn't fit 
an underserved community. Mm. That the process is really set for privileged people, and it's really hard to navigate in the nonprofit world because I've had a couple of of, of things that I'm fighting right now. Um, we got a grant taken away from us, six hundred fifty thousand dollar grant that was taken away from us, and um, and I was like really hurt over. It, but they were asking me to do things, and I'll just give you an example. So the way the government grants work is you do the work and you build and you bill and then they send you a check. So we had, we, it was a mandatory conference. The hotel rooms were like $150 a night. We took our whole team of like 12 people to the conference. And um, I paid, put it on my card, everybody's hotel rooms. When we went to go eat, I put it on my card, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, I guess the conference was just dinner. When I came back, I billed and um, kept the money within the organization because we paid it, right? Right. So when it came down and we got out of it, they said, oh, you can't do it this way. But I said, but my people don't have credit cards to be able to put $150 a night for four nights on their card, and they can't pay for their own bills. So I put it on my card, and I just kept the money. They're like, no, you should cut them all a pretty damn check and then ask for the money back. And what the hell? Yeah. What? <laughs> so then they would reimburse me. And so I've been, I'm fighting the state saying, do not put underserved in the name of this grant mm. when the process is not set for underserved. It's not working, yeah. You cannot ask me, and I will not do what you just said. And it was like thing after thing, and I kept saying, go ahead, I don't care. So the, for our first year, we owed $20,000. I owe $20,000 back to the state because they want me to do it, and I can't. It's just... It's not culturally right. I have to go and hire then people that have credit cards that have large limits on it. Right. So that they can go to a conference and pay for themselves so mm. I can do the per diem and do all of that. Mm-mm. You're not serving the purpose. Right. And so that's why I've taken it to my senator and said it has to be more than just the name of the grant. The actual process, these systemic changes have to change. If you want underserved communities mm-hmm. and ethnic communities to be able to take advantage of what you say you want us to do, then the processes systemically have to change, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I said it needs to go deeper than just the name on a grant, yeah. right? Totally. It has to go deeper. It sounds like there's a whole audit that needs to be done, not only personally and professionally, but government yeah. governmentally well no that's why I went to my so it's a pass through grant from DOJ from the Department of Justice a lot of friends in Washington I call them they're like okay Susie we'll look into this we want you to have this you guys do great work we want to make sure your community you're paid to do this I said well what, what's the deal here then and then because we owe the state $20,000 then on our first year grant they just took away the $650,000 that they'd already given us Instead of just slapping our hand and saying, we'll give you technical assistance, they knew that we were an underserved organization, mm-hmm. brand new, and then didn't even give us a break. Like mm-hmm. other organizations, they would just slap their hands and say, like, oh, we'll give you some technical assistance. We needed the technical assistance. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. But they just take the six. So I called DOJ. They're like, Susie, this is a pass through to your state. You need to work with your senator. 
And so working with my center to go to the oversight committee, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it because if I can say this is what's happened to us, then every other underserved community, every other ethnic group, the door has just been changed for them. Right? Yes. And so like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm a blind woman going through with no lights on, trying to feel my way through this process. Like, what the heck? We owe $20,000. Yeah. If, it, if, they, if I don't owe the $20,000, I told them, well, good. Bill me. I'll pay $5 a month. <laughs> <laughs> we you get your blood out of a turnip, right? I was like, yeah. I'm going to go through this process. But like, you know, like those kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? It has to be deeper than just a name on the brand. Yeah. Because we are doing amazing work on the ground, serving lots of people. We're doing it for free. Because we can't follow these. It's not that we can't follow them. Our, we're it's not, not privileged. It's not made, it's not made for us to be yeah. able to be able to work within this space. No diversity. Right. I mean, no inclusion. No, inclusion. no mm-hmm. inclusion. Because when they told me, well, why did you pay for everybody's hotel rooms? Why, why did you pay for everybody's dinner? Uh, because they, I, my staff could not come. I don't understand why you're telling me, like, well, they, you know, like, you, they should put it on their card and then you give them a per diem check. I was like, okay, but how many people don't have a card? And if they had a card, they don't have a limit like that. Yeah. Well, wow. then they said, oh, well, um, if you're going to do it that way, then write them a per diem check and then ask for the money back. Like, that's culturally relevant. <laughs> wow right so that's why I say we have to go deeper I I totally see what you're saying it's just on the path and in systemically I think you know like all the way around because those are kinds of some of the things that are like really bothersome another issue here that I've had in state the systemic is I sit on Utah Cultural Alliance I am the diversity chair and did you know that in the state of Utah cultural arts are not my art Cultural arts are only white people's art. Opera, ballet, cultural arts, mine, Native American, they're called folk art, like them folk over there in the state of Utah. Why? Because that's just the way it is. And I, when I got here, I was like, what do you mean? My art's cultural. My art is cultural. I went to a Utah Cultural Alliance thinking I was going there to learn about culture and what's going on in Utah. All white people. And I have a lady came up to me. She's like, thank you so much for coming. What made you come here? I said, well, I came here because it says Utah Cultural Alliance. But I don't see much culture in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that we're going to be back here. It was me and Sincera. We went there for a lunch date. I was like so shocked. I was like, how come the, there was like ballet and opera and symphony and yeah. I'm not, and so you follow the money. The money is only given to cultural arts, mm. but we are folk art, like them folk over there. I think it just—it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. Do you think they have—they've had yeah. time to? No, I think it is to us to you know to get used to us here in Utah. Well, and we have to stand up for ourselves. Right. We have to have a voice, right? right? Which means that we can't just sit back anymore. Again, have those conversations. Like, I didn't, you know, they told me to call your senator. Okay, I'll call my senator. Yeah. You know? And I don't know what I'm doing. 
Yeah. But I can see that it's not right, and I'm going to figure it out. And you know what, Susie? This this things that you do, the the cultural um, Pacific celebration yeah. and the conference and stuff. I think um, you you're in the right. I mean, you're heading the right way, and hopefully, you know, yeah. the people out there that don't see this will see this. And I think they they're starting to. Yeah, they're starting to see that. And a lot of that I have to credit the the church. The church, how it, you know, how it includes um, the whole world, yeah. and 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 not just before it was. And I don't mean to speak badly about the Mormon. I mean the the Mormons here in Utah, but it used to be just it was a church for the white people in Utah, but now it's an international church. And so as we grow, I think Utah will, if not already, they I think all of the, what do they call them, those extreme Mormons, they yeah. all live in Utah. Yeah. Because the church outside of Utah is very different. Mm. Right? I always say all the extremist Mormons all came to all the Mecca because there are some some extreme words like people say to me you don't seem very Mormon I'm like now why is that why don't I seem very Mormon and I was like again asking those questions when people say things like that I mean how how do you say that my you can guess my spirituality from outside right is it because I'm outspoken is it because I may have different views? Like, I don't know, but it's funny because I've had many people say, oh, I'm really surprised you're Mormon because I'm born and raised. Yeah. I've had a lot of people ask me that same yeah. question. And I said, oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I am. I, I have parents who grew up outside of Utah, so I think that's yes. been that's, super helpful. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. Because, I mean, we, key. as children, we reflect what we see. It's not right. what we reflect what we hear we literally imitate behavior and the whole do what i say not what i do mentality is absolutely ludicrous Mm -hmm. we see what you're doing and we will imitate that and so i think that as we are continually evolving that and i so appreciate that that lady tried yeah even though it was a complete blunder right I and she probably went home and like, what went wrong there? Because mm-hmm. that lady just walked away from me three times, mm-hmm. and maybe she'll reflect on what. Yeah. Oh, maybe next time I'll do it like this better. Maybe that wasn't the right thing for me to say. Right. Oh. Maybe they weren't African American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I I am confident that I have shoved my foot in my mouth more times than I can count trying to reach out to people who are different than me, mm-hmm. and they have been so gracious. They said, Carolyn, I appreciate your effort. And they smiled at me and I said, can you help me understand where I went wrong? Because I don't want to offend you. For example, I had a friend um, when I was living back East. Um, she's African-American and she just got her hair done. And I didn't know oh, it was. You touched it. I did. <laughs> I did. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she flipped. Yes. And she, she was flipped. like. I just spent two hundred dollars on this girl, and I spent six hours. Yeah, I like barely. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this looks so nice!" And I touched it, and she's like, "Did you just touch my hair?" I was like, "I take that. That's not a very good or polite thing to do, and that will never happen again. I am so sorry." And so I was just like, "Oh, it's it's just." People who are different than us in whatever capacity that may be, whether that's religious, ethnicity, whatever iteration that may come in, 
I still appreciate people who are willing to be generous with me. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Susie, you taught me how to say your last name. <laughs> Bale, yeah. I said your name at least 20 times before yeah. we started this. But we yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah. We have to be generous with one another. Yes. That's the only way we're going to um, learn to include and learn to um, fill those gaps. Yeah. Fill we those gaps, to. right? We can't be offended. Mm-hmm. We can't. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, my friend who I, my African-American friend, she could have written me off. Like, I can't believe this white privileged middle-class chick just touched my hair. And I, I meant no malice by it. I genuinely wanted, total ignorance. And I thought, Carolyn Gale, you dingus. Like, how could you not have seen that? Did you hear both of us? We already knew what it was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We already knew. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, don't tell me you touched your hair. Oh, I did. I did, and I'm so sorry. It'll never happen again. Yeah. And so I appreciate that people have been generous with me in the past, and I'm thankful that you are so lenient with me. And, and Bali, it's been so wonderful having you here. You know, for, for me, and I'm sure Bali too, is that we appreciate these spaces to have this conversation, because right. that was going to be my second task. Yeah. Find the person that's most different from you, but start having these conversations like this, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Where we can fill those gaps, yeah. and we do it in a in a very intentional way right. to listen to learn mm-hmm. right? right not listen to have differences mm-hmm. but listen to learn yeah. wow and understand the differences it's yeah. okay to have differences it's healthy that's well i remember when i started pacific Island heritage month and when we were in our eighth year the kickoff that we're doing the pacific Island heritage month i presented at a city and the police chief sat next to me and he said to me oh you present today i said yeah he's like where's your grass skirt I said, oh, I'm, I'm Tong and we don't wear grass skirts. And then he said, oh, you're not going to get up and shake your hips today? No, sir. That's Tahitian. I'm Tong. And he said, oh. And to shut him up, I said, oh, they don't make coconuts big enough for mine. <laughs> <laughs> and his face was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, so stay in your lane. Don't talk to me. Yeah. It's those biases that yeah. we project that yeah, make right? us look so rude. Right? And so, like, I said myself, why do I keep getting these things? And then I said, because we need to educate the differences yeah. between yeah. our Pacific Island cultures. Hello, yeah. this man has got to be educated because he's yeah. the police chief. Yeah. And he really thought that, and I kept thinking to myself, dumb, I'm Tongan. I don't wear grass skirts. And I definitely don't. You know, and my because of the way I was raised, I really don't dance at all. Mm. I can't sing, I can't dance, I don't speak the language. So all of those cultural things, so when people start just making the assumption that I do, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know me, you and I don't need to tell you my story, mm-hmm. right? right? I don't know you that well mm-hmm. to tell you that I was adopted by white people and I really don't know how to dance, sing, or any of those things that you culturally think I should know. Mm-hmm. Because that's the stereotype in your mind. So I just thought, well, I'll just tell him that they don't make coconuts big enough for mine. <laughs> we'll just get him shut up over there. <laughs> and, you know, like, I try not to say those kinds of things. But, you know, that was my first stage when I thought people were racism, racist when I first got here. Uh-huh. Then it started connecting to me that they're not racist. They're really kind people. They just don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. just are ignorant yeah. and so let's do Pacific Heritage Month and let's try to educate people because even within our culture if somebody comes and asks me where I'm from and I don't feel like taking the time 
Right? We all do it. Office designers do that. Because we know that you know Hawaii. Yeah. But if I don't feel like telling you I'm from Tonga and where it is and I may be just tired. I maybe just don't have the time. Right. And when they ask me, I'm like, oh, I'm from Hawaii. End of conversation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 It took yeah. me two seconds to say that. Yeah. Versus the 20 minute conversation I'm going to have about Fiji or Tonga or these other places. Like, right. So I feel like we, I've done, I've been part of it to also add to yeah. that yeah. as well because yeah. I just say I'm from Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like having the conversation. Yeah. Um, and so I've been intentionally not lying anymore and saying I'm from Tonga and I here's my number or here's my email email me your questions because I have to run right now right trying to come up again so I have pre-planned verbiage so I'm not lying number one to people but I'm also giving them the opportunity to engage because mm-hmm. that may be that one time that person is going to reach out and I'm going to give them the story that I'm from Hawaii. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so intentionally trying to have these conversations um, genuinely right? to help people learn and also for me to learn. I love people. I love and people. people are incredible. We're yeah. from all different walks yeah. of life, yeah. religions, ethnicities, cultures, heritages. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're across the board. And yeah. I think that's something that's so beautiful about our time is that we can really have international global experiences. And if we will simply look and reach out to people who look or may be different than us, mm-hmm. we're going to have an incredible yeah. life. Yeah. I am so in love with that idea yeah. of harmonizing all these different cultures and ideas. And why can't we pull each other's strengths together? Why can't we create that beautiful fruit salad and have yeah. some, you know, walnuts in there too, mm-hmm. pecans, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. We're all a little crazy, a little nutty. Enhance, we right. all enhance it. We enhance each other's we flavors. We enhance each other. Yeah. yeah. We bring out the best yes. in one another, right? Yeah. When you appreciate someone, you you bring that out. Yeah. yeah. And they feel that and they know that. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. I mean, just to summarize from what I heard that we look for each other's strengths, that we lean in with an eye of curiosity, that we create these opportunities for people to share their story and to be authentic in our engagement. Right. I think those are really critical the authentic is right. Yeah. Critical components of creating cultural diversity right. equality. Yeah. And equity. I think, yes, equity. Did I say equality? Yeah. <laughs> equity. That's what <laughs> well, I meant. Everybody says equality, but I'm always equity, right? Yeah. Because totally. For me, that's what it is because uh, I just recognize that some people need a little bit more and some people need, need nothing. Nothing. Right? right. Yeah. And that the people that need nothing need to say, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and take that. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's like, gonna be different. I'm willing to just throw that in because I'm good and I don't need this. Go ahead and take it. There's somebody else that needs that more than me, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's funny you said that today. In the um, you went to feed um, the you did the food bank, the food bank, and it's a long line of people, and I was I was giving out and. I, I made that observation. So here comes um, uh, um, a colored person, not black, but I think Mexican or something. And we were giving out like eight, um, eight, um, what you call that? 
potato hash, uh, hash, hash brown, hash, yeah, hash brown. So they could have. So um, the there was a white man before him, and we said, "Well, you can have eight. and he said, "Oh, really? Yeah, I'll have eight and he took it all. And he came, um, I think a Mexican or was it Vietnamese? And says, the man told him, you could have eight. And he said, no, I'll just have three. See? And I said, mm, yeah. okay. So he only took three. And the guy was, the guy kept saying, oh, you can have more. He goes, no, 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 I just have three. See, that's equity, right? Yeah. Wow. But every person has to acknowledge just because you can doesn't mean we should. If you don't need it, don't take it. Right, right. Because there is someone else out there that does need it. Yeah. That's a really profound experience. Yeah. I mean, especially at a food bank where things are hard. You would think everybody would need all eight. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching and I thought, wow, that's so awesome of him. I mean, he could have been greedy and took it, right? Because they were giving it to him. He says, no, I just need three. Take what you need. Yeah, just take what you need. Receive what you need. Receive what you need. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and when you receive what you need, then that means the others receive what they need. Yeah. I agree. Right. I agree. Yeah. Whereas if we take, there's a, there's a huge difference and uh, mentality shift between taking and receiving. Right. And taking is more greedy yeah. and receiving is out of gratitude. Yeah. Right. I'm so thankful for this. Thank you. Yeah. I, I only need Me three. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Golly, ladies, this has been nothing short of delightful. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and insights with us. It has been phenomenal. Do you have any last words of wisdom for us? No, I don't. I don't try to put wisdom today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 it's a subject for me that is always on my mind. Um, and it, I think as we know better, we do better. Mm. And we just have to keep trying, yeah. right? And it, that's all we can ask of each other and for ourselves is to do the best we can with good intentions generally and um, treat people the way we want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Back to that. Yeah. 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 Ale, did you have... Totally agree. Just one thought comes into mind. On my dad's... Um, my dad died 10 years ago. And I had um, asked him for something, and his last advice to me was just be good and do what's right. So if we can just be do, if we can just do that, be good and do what's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I believe we won't have problems of segregation and racism and ignorance if we just do what is right and what is good. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Something that Susie told me when I first met her was be about it. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's something that we need to incorporate. Yeah. Be about it. Yeah. So let's. Yeah. yeah. Let's be about it. And that's what I say. Like, I was going to be like, hey, let's stop talking about it. Like, I'm not, I get tired of sitting and meeting to time. Like, and people always know if Susie's on a committee, <laughs> you better be ready to move because she'll stop. I yeah. will stop going to a meeting or I am too busy and can't be, I could be spending that time doing something better. Mm-hmm. And it wants to be parts of groups that we're just sitting and talking. Yeah. Let's be about it. Let's yeah. be about it. Let's do something about it. Let's make this world a better place. And, and so that everybody can thrive. 
right? It's not about just me thriving, but it's about everybody thriving. Because I want, I want everybody in my community, and I look at my community just not my like my ward or my block, or whatever. I look at the world as my community, right? And that we should make sure. I I do always say this is that in any society, any community, our our strength is only as strong as the most vulnerable. And so no matter how much money we have and how much, how well we think we're doing, we're not doing better than the person that's doing the worst. Yeah, I agree. So that's my, I think that's probably my mantra to always keep me going and thinking about why do we want to be better and helping others empower them to do for themselves is because eventually the hope is that the person that's the most vulnerable is not any is not as vulnerable right that the least vulnerable is has her own home is not homeless right because that means that that means that our whole society has gotten better yeah right yeah and as long as we allow homelessness and all of these things to happen I don't care how much the highest CEO makes right mm-hmm. we're still have these homeless people that are not able but if we can ever move the least vulnerable and if the least vulnerable are homeowners and the least vulnerable have food in their refrigerator and the least vulnerable all are able to get an education then that means in society we have maybe we're progressing then we progress then then ladies let's be about it is right To get the down low on our guest today, head on over to MyOrangeSoul.com and be sure to check out our sponsor, Reminis Audio at ReminisAudio.com. Peace and blessings, my friends. Stay rad.